One of the best ways to support the FTF podcast is to check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, interviews, and plenty more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Research. I'm your host, Jesse Reiners. I'm your host, Alex Kendall. And today we are going to be covering something that kind of, in my opinion, innovated multiplayer. I, I think it really did. And I, I think it was so much more of a cult classic later. And I don't think mm-hmm. the legs truly grew on it. Yeah. In, in a way. So we're going to be talking today about Titanfall. Stand by for Titanfall. Yeah, Titanfall. As I said, this game that really changed the way we start looking at multiplayer, the way we play it. And it had so many more things that it added to it. So, you know, Titanfall, all of a sudden the mobility has changed so much. You're not just running upstairs, get to the next level. You're jumping up the walls. You're running against the walls. You're hanging from the walls to shoot. And not only with the mobility that they added and how you can traverse the map, they added the Titans as well, which was so huge, literally. One of the major aspects that that I think has carried over into Titanfall 2 and even Apex Legends, like Jesse was saying, is the quality of movement. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of the cleanest movement games that has ever come out, hands down. From the running, and like I said, to the wall running, to the grappling, even the Titans, they feel chunky, but they feel maneuverable. Yes. And that's what I like, is that you didn't want like this like weird stealthy, like could like fully move everything, mm-hmm. but it still feels very like ro- robotic, mechanical, and clean. I'm going to keep saying this whole episode just because yes. it, you feel it. And, and I think out of everything that continues on in gaming is we get that slide dash mm-hmm. that kind of like slide on the ground get back up other games do have it so plenty of games have tried that or have an idea on it but it was so much of an afterthought mm-hmm. it was yeah. so much of that like yeah they'll slide for two inches and then abrupt stop <laughs> yeah you know, so it's, it's like yeah it's, it's just a hard like it's not smooth because yeah that's the best way to describe the movement in this game and the gunplay and everything it's smooth mm-hmm. it's so clean you just it doesn't feel clunky at all whatsoever like go back and play like an older multiplayer game even a few years before this came out it's night and day it, it it's is crazy and, and they've taken this and i i think those legs i was talking about I think I've talked about legs in a couple episodes, but we're talking about true legs here. <laughs> we're talking about Titan legs. I'm talking about thick thighs, 
built quads <laughs> going here. They really make it to Apex Legends. Mm-hmm. And and this was kind of and we'll I'll touch on this a little bit, um, but it was supposed to somewhat be Titanfall three. But after Respawn partnered with EA, it became this battle royale. It was the mm-hmm. era of it. But I think that's really where we picked up steam. The name got recognized. And Titanfall 2 and even Titanfall 1 got this weird influx of a player base. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're going to dive right in, You know, tell you as we do what it really took to make Titanfall. Yeah. What was this legacy it left? And, and why did it somewhat come up short? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's just quickly touch on the game itself. Titanfall is a multiplayer FPS game developed by Respawn Entertainment and published by EA. Some would call it a Call of Duty spiritual successor. You play as a pilot fighting on the frontier, which are a series of planets on the edge of the known universe. Two factions are at war, the Interstellar Mining Corporation, or the IMC, who are the self-appointed peacekeepers of the galaxy, and the MCOR, the Frontier Militia. Throughout a match, the pilot will be able to call in their Titan, a mech suit that acts as an extension of the pilot themselves. At any given time, their pilot can either enter or leave their Titan. And when they leave the the Titan, then it kind of goes into an uh, autopilot mode. Yeah, you can have multiple different modes set for Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. If enemies place their Titanfall right, they can usually smash another enemy's Titan with theirs. Titans come in three classes as well. Ogre, which is the heavy, Strider, which is the medium class, and Atlas, which is more the agile, thinner class as well. Yeah, so that just gives a a quick summary of it. But yes, so for the most part, you start off as your pilot. So as we said, you you have this crazy maneuverability to make it through these different maps of these different planetary areas. So giving you a different environment to explore, different color tones kind of of shifting as the planet does, whether it's Mm -hmm. more of an industrial planet or more of an organic kind of almost farming feel to the planet. And you have some that have more of like a desert-esque feel because like there's that map with the dragons in the background. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so your core multiplayer match is a 6v6 standard death match that takes their kind of ticket system similar to Battlefield Mm -hmm. where if you reach a certain amount, you have now won and and you get certain points from, uh, you know, killing other players, other pilots, killing titans. And we also see that each map can also support different AIs that'll be there. So like mm-hmm. drop pods will come down. You'll either get some frontline infantry or you'll get um, some mechs or some Marvins that are there that will assist you, be a little bit stronger, and then even some further on bots if you're kind of crushing your enemy or further down mm-hmm. the road towards, towards the wrap-up. Yeah. Um, and as you build up, we can call it your ultimate. As we build up your ultimate, which is your titan, you can then call that down, mm-hmm. takes a couple seconds, drops in, and then you can either load up or, as I said, you can put it on kind of this autopilot mode or defense mode and it can do its own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I love about the AIs for like both sides is sometimes you can walk into a room and you'll see the AIs just fighting each other. Like mm-hmm. I love little details like that that they did. But yeah. And, and with the AIs and the, the actual players itself, you can have like a total of around 50 uh, entities on the field at any given time. Yeah. So about 25 to 25 ish, mm-hmm. um, just because the maps are, are, are built as these larger maps that can support these drop pods, support these little skirmishes going on. Mm-hmm. And for the most most part, those enemies that drop are more nuances than they are threats. Yeah. But they still help you to somewhat blend in as you're getting to skirmishes. You know, someone might go after them instead of you um, as a pilot. Well, I, I also love about, like, the standard game is that 
say when the other the opposing team reaches uh, the score to win the match isn't over because that's when now you need to escape the map you need to get on a ship and leave and so that's the final time that if you die during that time you don't respawn mm-hmm. afterwards it, like you're you're done for sure so it gives that little bit of urgency still at the end of the match like yeah it's not instead over. of kind of giving up because you may even want to save your titan for the end whether mm-hmm. you are crushing them or you're losing you can always use that to if you're the enemy or if you're the victor, you can use it to shoot down their escape pod, their escape mm-hmm. ship. Because yeah. it lasts for so much time or until everyone can get on it. Eventually, it kind of warp speeds out of there and those players are saved, getting some extra points for surviving. Mm-hmm. But the game was released on Xbox One and PC March 11th, 2014, and on Xbox 360 April 8th, 2014. So the game did come with a season pass, including nine maps, for $25. So let's talk about Respawn itself and kind of how they came to be. So Respawn was founded in 2010 after the abrupt firing of Infinity Ward founders Jason West and Vince Impella, the famous creators of the Call of Duty franchise. In 2009, after the overnight success of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 release, Zimpella and West were fired by Activision and told they could no longer communicate with former teammates or return to their office, and they would not be receiving their $36 million in royalties and bonuses. It didn't take long for publishers to pick up the phone and start calling Infinity Ward co-founders to sign them on. The pair were quick to hit the ground running, forming a new company and signing with EA. They really didn't have time to process being fired, rather just moving forward on their careers, but not without a lawsuit first. After West and Zimpella were fired, over a dozen employees would leave Infinity Ward immediately. But this number would continue to grow to 38 employees, half of the total studio. In less than a week, the two would sue Activision for $1 billion U.S. dollars, alongside 38 employees who quit Infinity Ward after the founder's firing for those unpaid bonuses. Mm-hmm. Activision would present a countersuit in April 2010, claiming the two purposely got fired so that they could start a new studio and sign with EA who gave them absolute ownership of any and all new IP that they would create. And that's kind of really why they got fired. I know that there was a lot of tension between Infinity Ward and Activision. Mm -hmm. And Activision had suspicions that they're like, they're just trying to get fired because they're trying to form a new studio, which we had touched about it on Destiny. That's not the first time they've been accused of that. This Mm -hmm. is the second time now. And I know this was a big thing because I remember with you know, Modern Warfare coming out mm-hmm. and hearing about this and hearing about, okay, you know, Infinity Wars taking over this now, you know, and they're not necessarily doing these things with this whole change of leadership. So it was very interesting to to hear on the Call of Duty end, you know, playing that growing up, what that kind of did to, to shift it along. Yeah. Eventually, the lawsuit from Activision was swept under the rug and the studio purchased Infinity Ward for a total of $5 million over the course of a year. Activision would pay $42 million to the group of 38 employees as well. All this happened shortly before both cases were sent to trial. Mm -hmm. When Respawn signed with EA, they had absolutely nothing, no computers or any ideas for a game. The office space that they would move into was a nasty old abandoned office with cockroaches everywhere and broken glass on the carpet. They hadn't even gotten a lease yet. They were more or less squatting there. They would sit on folding chairs and, and essentially just had notepads and pens trying to come up with something for a couple of months in the abandoned office. So yeah, they were there for a while before they even like officially signed a lease and had the abilities to actually start redoing the office. Respawn would pick up a lot of developers from Sony Santa Monica, along with developers from id Software, Gearbox, 
and some new developers altogether when they got on their feet. They would also receive a lot of resumes from their former co-workers at Infinity Award as well, bringing in most that they had received and strengthening the bond and loyalty from their work at their previous company. Respawn grew rather quickly, something they did not expect, with a team of 44 in less than one month. Which is crazy that, you know, within a month, you have 44 people in this abandoned office that they're technically squatting in. I'm going to assume a bit of that's embellished. This is just what they told, this is what they said, that it was a disgusting office. Yeah, I'm assuming because I wouldn't leave my cushy job (laughs) to come with cockroaches and glass on the floor and be like, this is what we have. So I folding assume, chairs. I assume it's a rags to riches type story with it. Um, you know, this is from an interview with them, but I assume it's more of like you said, like uh, uh, probably a nasty room that they're kind of building up mm-hmm. to figure this out. Because you can't tell me that getting acquired by EA didn't give them some capital. Oh, it did. They just had they hadn't found they couldn't sign the lease yet for this place. That's why they were like kind of squatting and they didn't have any computers or anything. Like Titanfall's inception started on essentially pen and paper. Mm-hmm a little bit about the development of Titanfall and what brought it about. Around the development of Titanfall, the shooter genre was pretty much set by the standards of Call of Duty and Halo, with Halo barring more and more elements from the Call of Duty franchise. You know, with Halo 4 and Halo 5 coming to be, we definitely saw a lot of that with loadouts, mm-hmm. um, you know, with, with with different elements that were added, sprinting, things like that. There were more of these quality of lives that... Call of Duty and Battlefield set the standards for. Mm-hmm. There didn't seem to be much innovation. You had your campaign, you know, so you had a pretty loose campaign for the most part. Like a lot of the Call of Duties, just on rails, gets mm-hmm. you through. Um, you know, you had you had as the Call of Duty started to come out, a little bit more added to it, but it was so much more of a side thought around this kind of like titan of multiplayer gaming. Absolutely. You know, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare Two, really leading the charge on those. And what set those standards? So, you know, they thought, what if we change or break that pattern or habit? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's a very lofty goal, but what can we do that isn't just a Call of Duty clone? Mm-hmm. And, and they, you know, they said, what what new elements can we really bring to this mix? You know, and that really brought about that idea of what if we get a better way to travel, mm-hmm. an easier way to travel, a cleaner way to travel, what works? And so... This also led to what if we add in just more than the players? We get more of those friendly AIs, enemy AIs, something that spices that map up so it's not always just the killer be killed with other players. You can add to it and add in that battlefield element of a ticket system. Mm -hmm. And so that's really where it started to come about. And like Jesse said, that pen and paper just kind of sketching out what are we going to do? You know, Mm -hmm. just that whole like giant notebook of, what ifs? <laughs> so, yeah, all of these elements that were coming about were going to be combined into Respawn's first game. The founders had been working on Call of Duty for so long that they didn't know where to go you know, without breaking away from that Call of Duty-esque line. So they were saying, listen, we have to push further and we have to do something that's different. And so mm-hmm. with Titanfall, they had that freedom to do whatever they wanted with it. Yeah, because, I mean, they, they had even, I believe... Infinity Ward or what those guys were doing before Infinity Ward was also uh, uh, they had been doing shooters even before that. So they've been doing shooters for over 10 years. So it kind of makes sense that they wouldn't break away too much from their own DNA, essentially. Mm -hmm. When Respawn first started, they knew they wanted to make a shooter from the beginning, but Titanfall was actually nowhere near their first idea. They actually had several ideas like a game about shooting rockets at dragons, an alien fleeing from the government. 
a game that was Batman with guns, a demon invasion, and their concept for Mad Men, where soldiers would swap out their limbs for powers. After seeing Deus Ex Human Revolution at E3, they canned that idea of Mad Men. <laughs> but keep in mind, they were also conceptualizing ideas for the game you know, while in the midst of this same lawsuit that had mm-hmm. been going on. So I know we had wrapped it up in that kind of previous section. Yeah. But this is all going on while they're still contacting their lawyers, drafting mm-hmm. up documents, apparently with cockroaches in glass, <laughs> uh, uh, trying uh, to get this figured out. And if they lose one page of the notebook that had the best concepts, they're looking through, fighting off cockroaches who are eating it. Who are eating them. <laughs> That's where they got the alien invasion from, just all those cockroaches. They were like, wait, we just went through this. What if we made a game about this? And then they made Cockroach Simulator. <laughs> Great game. But let's talk about designing the the Titans and some of the players. So since they didn't have computers at first, some of the artists actually decided to sculpt their designs. Eventually, lead artist Joel Emsley would create a 14-inch tall robot, which at the time were supposed to be more exosuits than mechs. Finding inspiration from Star Wars, Blade Runner, Aliens, and the M1 Abrams battle tank. Several months later, as the concept for the game continued with the idea of exosuits, the lead artist would take a, like a three-inch toy and he actually set it next to the robot and asked everyone else, what do you think of this? Because, again, it was supposed to be an exosuit, but then they're like, what if it's actually a giant, like a 14 An actual, actual robot yeah, instead of just yeah. a suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. This sparked the idea that the robot should be mechs. Respawn doesn't actually like the terms mechs when they're describing the Titans because... You know, they thought of it as like a quote-unquote dirty word, according to Zampella in an interview with Game Informer. He thinks that Titans are something totally new since they're more of an extension of the player. I agree. When I think mech, I think boring game. <laughs> I'm going <gonna> to <laughs> be honest, man. There's some of those mech games out there where, like, you're just clunky chicken legs well, you're walking also, around. It's like you're super slow mm-hmm. when you go and you punch and everything. Like, I think Pacific Rim is a great example of that. Like, when you actually watch the combat, it's just super slow and everything. Uh, that's a Megazord, not a mech. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> there is a pilot in the head of it or in the chest. <laughs> it is your call with it. I'm going to call that a Megazord, <laughs> a power sword. <laughs> The iconic robots in the game, known as Titans, were created to break the mold of traditional giant robots, as we had just said. They're fast, agile, and aggressive. The studio actually used motion capture to help with this organic vibe from the Titans. Respawn needed to create a balance between Titans and pilots when they were battling, though. Like I said, it it's felt fluid. It felt like you had a mocap, but slowed it down maybe 15%. Yeah, because it's uh, that's when I first played it. And a titan ran up and started punching me. I was like, oh, these guys are way faster than I thought. Yeah, it's, it, it's not just that, like, like, like yeah. turning. It, it, it feels like an extension. And that mm-hmm. is in part of the lore as well with, like, the pilot's helmet and all of these other things. It kind of taps into your neural net mm-hmm. to help you fluidly do it. Very similar to when the Red Ranger brings everyone together for the Megazord (laughs) and they have great battles. (laughs) The studio would start working on the game with the Source Engine, but quickly started modifying it to work with the mechanics of the game that they wanted. Though the Source Engine wasn't their first choice, they considered using the Unreal Engine or the Ratchet and Clank's Luna Engine. And at one point, EA handed them the tech for Lord of the Rings Conquest. Mm -hmm. And it was just kind of like, hey, here it is. You don't have to worry about anything else. Roll with this. Obviously, they weren't too terribly fond of that. So, And when it came to creating the pilots, you know, they drew on that same Star Wars knowledge and fandom. And your, like, initial pilot that you kind of have in the campaign and your first build with it, the helmet and somewhat of the suit is actually based on Boba Fett. 
Mm. Uh, so they actually tried to figure out how are we going to build these helmets out. We didn't want like a space helmet, but we didn't want this. So they actually took a lot of the elements of Boba Fett, put it into the Titan. And they have, you know, knowing these two and their work with Call of Duty, especially with Modern Warfare, they pushed a lot for kind of like in-house Easter eggs or fun stuff that they wanted to kind of push into the game. Mm-hmm. So this was kind of talked about by fans later when the game came out. And they actually confirmed like, yeah, when I was designing it, I pretty much based it off that. That's dope. Yeah. So it's, it's really cool, you know, to see how they put this about. Because once again, this was a thing where like, okay, they'll just have... Because, you know, let's make generic man in mech yeah. suit. Well, I also love, yeah, the mechs are unique as well as the pilots. The pilots are super unique. Mm-hmm. And they've added that element to where as you level up, you can customize not only your Titan, but your pilot, your weapon loadouts. Um, and we'll talk about the weapons and some of the gear later on as we start talking about more of the multiplayer and really what this game brought in terms of innovation for the weaponry and, you know, kind of having that in combination with your Titan. Mm-hmm. But let's jump to the gameplay. Respawn wanted to heavily focus on their multiplayer and bring some innovation to it, you know, creating something that's never been done before. So they thought, why should we kind of even focus on a single player? Mm -hmm. Players spend a majority of their time in multiplayer anyways. And plus, they honestly just didn't have the manpower to do it. Well, they they did concept a working campaign for a while, but overall it was scrapped as, as we know. But I think part of the reason was because Zampella was pretty adamant about kind of changing the landscape of of the first-person shooter and not having that single-player campaign experience. I mean, I guess that makes sense because, and I guess you have to kind of brush it off and say, no, 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 we're focusing on multiplayer, the, the campaign doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, a lot of that boils down to really how did playtest go, how is building it going, could you, you know, from just like, let's say you're just on point B of A to Z, mm-hmm. do you see you finishing in time? Or yeah. is it more important to get that multiplayer done and more the core game mechanic that can then be in your sequel that you eventually mm-hmm. do? Is that more important or is building the story that you might not even know yet? You might not even know what you want to tell mm-hmm. the story as. Yeah, and, and what footage is out there of that campaign kind of seems in vain of Titanfall 2. So I'm pretty sure what ideas they had, they just picked them right back up for Titanfall 2 and probably made that process a little easier mm-hmm. to make that campaign. Yeah. They would create Titanfall with three goals in mind. Player mobility, survivability, and merging cinematic design with fast-paced action. The first thing they would work on was mobility. Respawn felt that in video games, even multiplayer matches, the player is restricted on where they can go. Respawn wanted almost every point on the map accessible and, honestly, exploration-friendly. They wanted you to see what's there, and we even see that in a lot of the uh, like shooting gallery and shooting range that you can test out to see where things are. Mm-hmm. And the abilities that they installed with the pilots allows for this. For survivability, they had to kind of figure out that KD ratio. You know, mm-hmm. you, you wanted to be out there in the open, getting your kills, having fun, but also being able to not constantly be killed, not be spawn camped. Yeah. You know, not to have those elements that really take away and make it kind of like a shooter around those times like Halo and Call of Duty where you can have those aspects happen to you. Mm -hmm. This is where that AI, you know, comes into play. The AIs, for the most part, act as a way for the player to get an XP boost after killing them. Players won't always be the target in this case. Instead, the AIs sometimes take most of the fire. And finally, when it comes to the merging the fast-paced action with storytelling, missions start out with cutscenes rendered in the game before the match starts. 
Throughout the game, the player has teammates from either the IMC or the militia giving them direction throughout that match. Now, controls for the game do mimic the standard Call of Duty controls, but with the ability to wall run and double jump, they seem to have a different take on the shooter genre. For the most part, the controls are also the same with Titans, with the controls changed. Instead of running, they have the Titan dash, and they have a handful of abilities to use that the pilots do not. Respawn would create controls that, according to them, are a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. As the game was being developed, Respawn needed to figure out what platform the game would be on. Microsoft would send them the specs for the unannounced Xbox One. Microsoft actually told them the day they announced the formation of the studio that they have dev kits ready for them, you know, whenever they're needing them to come. Yeah. And on the other side of the aisle, unfortunately, Sony wouldn't send them the specs for the PlayStation 4. Rather, Sony offered Titanfall a spot on the PS Vita. So jumping into that mobile <laughs> gaming. Even though programmer John Shearing met with a contact from Sony, she wouldn't budge on the PlayStation 4 specs. For a while, they considered, honestly, just being a PC exclusive, but finally decided that they would go with the Xbox One as an exclusive until 13 months after launch. Then they would port it over to the PlayStation 4. This, though, never happened due to the negotiations being done through EA with Microsoft and not through Respawn. The two parties decided Titanfall would be a console exclusive for the Xbox One. It didn't rule out future installments of the franchise, though. So this one was just signed with them, mm -hmm. saying, hey, it'll stay with Microsoft for the most part. But if you were to make more games, that's not saying they can't go everywhere. Yeah, and just imagine. They're like, hey, like we want to be multi-platform. And PlayStation's like, you want to do the Vita? And it's like, what? No, 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 no. Let's be on the PS4. And there's like, no. Yeah, and, and it's tough. I mean, you're, you're really taking a chance on a brand new IP that you're not mm -hmm. sure is going to work. So I, I understand their their hesitance of it. Yeah, and PlayStation 2 as well, the same thing kind of happened where at one point, you know, a lot of studios weren't getting dev kits and they weren't getting a lot of help with programming for the, the console as well. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about some changes in design. So in 2013, co-founder Jason West would leave the studio and with his departure, the game would see a change. Originally, each mission would always start with the player inside a Titan, and only when the Titan was doomed would the player eject and continue the match from there. This was an inspiration from Super Mario Bros. Overall, Respawn felt that this approach may not be as open to players as they would like to think, so they changed it so that players started without their Titans at first. This would give players a more familiar start to an FPS game, along with adding a new layer of strategy. How quickly can you get your Titan? This game was also a lot more fast-paced originally than what we got when it was released and had more players on the field during a match, which was eventually dialed back to 6 for 6 So I think at one point they even considered 12 versus 12 mm -hmm. So they, And they just knew like it just got way too chaotic at that point with everything going on. Yeah, and, and luckily we did have a beta to look at. Mm -hmm. Originally the beta for Titanfall was on the Xbox One and PC and were only invite-only. EA spent weeks sending out private invites before finally announcing that the beta would actually be open for any and all. The beta featured three game modes, Attrition, Hardpoint Domination, and Last Titan Standing. It would run from February 14th through February 17th, 2013. During the first day of the beta in February, Microsoft servers would go down, leaving a majority of eager players on a, quote, no servers found prompt. Respawn couldn't create new servers, so they had to work with Microsoft as quickly as possible to get them back online. 
Come to find out, it wasn't the servers being down, rather a bug in the beta itself. After a couple of hours, the issue was fixed and players were able to commence Titanfall. Microsoft would give players affected by the outage a free seven-day Xbox Live Gold membership. Over two million players participated in the beta. After sifting through all the data collected from the beta, EA would decide to actually cancel the Titanfall's release in South Africa due to the poor connectivity issues there. They needed to deliver a game with seamless performance, and it just couldn't be done in that country. And Respawn would fall under some heat when it came to matches, you know, or most of those matches being six for six. Respawn saw that more players added to a match would make the match more uncomfortable. There are roughly five or six directions that a player can be killed, and with the player being able to to uh, run on walls and double jump, essentially nowhere is safe. So having all more of those players is just way too chaotic. They built the game to be six versus six. Lead designer Justin Hendry would state in an interview with Polygon, quote, When the people start playing Titanfall like Titanfall, the player count becomes non-issue. Add in the fact that there are multiple AIs on the field and Titans. Each game is meant to feel like a battlefield, which I, I completely agree it does. Like, it, it just, it, it feels organic. Mm-hmm. The game was developed by a team of 85 people, taking roughly four years to create, finally being completed and going gold February 24th, 2014. Even though the Xbox 360 version of the game was set to release two weeks after the Xbox One and PC versions on March 25th, EA would announce a week before the release that the Xbox 360 would be delayed another two weeks to give Bluepoint Games, which was working on that 360 port, the extra time they needed to polish the game up. They wanted to make sure that the game delivered the same exact experience as the Xbox One and PC versions. Some retailers would accidentally sell the 360 version a few days before the actual release date, but it wasn't playable until its new launch date of April 8th, you know, being an online game only. Mm -hmm. That was supposed to be a little birthday gift to myself because it was supposed to come out the day before my birthday. Mm. And got it got delayed. That's a shame. Sad birthday that year. It was the worst birthday that year. Not really. But now let's talk about marketing this game, this new IP coming from a new studio of, you know, the, the founders of Infinity Ward who created the monolith Call of Duty. So Titanfall was not an easy game to market, according to Respawn. They didn't have a single player mode, which was the driving force for a lot of FPS games. A lot of modern first-person shooters relied heavily on showing clips of cutscenes from the game, but Titanfall really doesn't have any cutscenes. They would show instead a lot more three to five minute clips of the gameplay itself, because that's really what you had to be sold on. But one of the first things that they did was Titanfall Arcade. This was developed by the creative agency Heat. TitanfallArcade.com was a website that featured three classic playable Atari games, Asteroids, Missile Command, and Centipede. But they featured Titans instead of Mm -hmm. what was actually in the game. But the site has sadly since been taken down. Next we had Life is Better with a Titan. This live action commercial, which is produced by Microsoft, would show a man walking through a city, going about his everyday life, but accompanied by a Titan. You know, making his life easier, like shooting out traffic lights so he can cross the street and so on. At the end of the commercial, he encounters another man with a Titan. And the battle ensues. I, I love marketing like this because the commercial is hilarious. Like, he is a, he does want to cross the road, so the Titan just shoots out the light so mm-hmm. he can just go. It's fantastic. It's hilarious. Next, we had Free the Frontier. This live-action trailer, which is broken up into three parts, gave fans a more serious look at the game, showing a pilot making his way through grunts, and eventually getting into his own Titan 
and battling all of those who oppose them. Which is, a again, great trailer. It's awesome. Having a live-action trailer of this, it's too good. Mm-hmm. But next we have the Berlin Titan. So a life-size Titan would appear at a Berlin train station. There wasn't too much context on the Titan being there other than being an obvious marketing ploy with only a nameplate that had Titanfall on it at the Titan's feet. So I love, like, just imagine, like, you're going to work one day and you just see that and you're just like, okay, and just go about your day. Mm-hmm. Next, we have the companion app. So this app that was available for iOS, Android, and the Windows phone syncs with the Xbox One version of the game and will give the players an interactive full-size layout of the map and the latest updates on the weapons, game modes, etc. Because I remember at this time, we were getting more of that. Destiny had that. like it, it, That was kind of like the hot thing to do. Finally, and I fell for this, we had an April Fool's that actually wasn't through Respawn themselves, but it was still kind of a promotion for the game. So even though Respawn had some plans for an April Fool's prank incorporating Voltron, IGN beat them to the punch with something similar. On April 1st, 2014, IGN posted a video showing Optimus Prime having his own DLC for the game and it being a playable Titan. Respawn absolutely loved it, though eventually Respawn had to confirm that Optimus Prime was actually not going to be in the game because... Unfortunately not. I fell for it. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't paying attention to the date. Saw that. I was like, this is great. And then looked at the date and I was like... "Ah, If I'd been looking back, I probably would have broke my disc in half. I I am not a fan of the Transformers. Well, you didn't have to buy it. It's a DLC. I just don't want it in my game. Period. (laughs) I want want Shia LaBeouf nowhere near any of my things. (laughs) Shia LaBeouf was also a DLC character at one point. I'll take that over. (laughs) Optimus Prime. Uh, Next up, let's just touch on... Uh, a summary, like what the campaign was meant to be. Like we said, mm-hmm. there was no single-player campaign. It was more so you played through the idea of a campaign mm-hmm. in multiplayer. Yeah, like I even visiting this, like I was like, what was that campaign about? Like I didn't really know. Yeah, so it was a very loose-based one. And we do see something like this in a lot of like MMORPGs where there's like a loose campaign around some of the stuff you're doing mm-hmm. that you don't really remember. But we'll give you kind of a summary of, of what that was and how it somewhat connects into what we do in Titanfall 2. Yes. So the game takes place 15 years after the Titan Wars. The Frontier Militia is being hunted down by the Interstellar Miner Corporation, the IMC. Like we said, those were kind of the self-appointed peacekeepers who are trying mm-hmm. to, quote-unquote, keep that peace. That's what it says in the back of their shirts, the period after you say words. <laughs> keep, keep that <laughs> the IMC are out to harvest colonies and planets of the resources, but the militia sees this as terrorism. As the militia is being hunted down, they run low on supplies and must raid the IMC on a gas mining world. They succeed in the raid, but they barely make it out. As the IMC tracks the militia, they find a hidden colony and use it to test their new Spectre combat drones, which are like those robots that mm-hmm. spawn in. Uh, And they they use them to murder citizens in that colony. The militia comes to the rescue, battling the IMC and making a deal with James McAllen, who was a former officer of the IMC Colonial Navy. They save the remaining citizens, and McAllen will provide them with schematics for the IMC refueling station. If the militia can take it out, they can cut the chain of supply for the IMC. Mm -hmm. From there, the militia travels to Angel City to rescue McAllen's friend, ex-IMC pilot Robert Tobe one of the best pilots in the frontier. Though they rescue Tobe, they see an opportunity to take out the IMC's IMS Sentinel supercarrier. With Barker's expertise, they devise a plan. 
and successfully destroy the carrier. Next, the militia goes to the Boneyard, a base surrounded by dragon-like monsters, yeah, we had mentioned earlier, that are only kept at bay due to this dog-like whistle. Mm -hmm. The militia plans to reverse the signal to have it attract the dragons instead of keeping them away, and they succeed in doing so. And from there, the militia heads to the Demeter refueling station to override the reactors and in doing so, destroying the station. While there, McAllen locks himself inside the reactor to destabilize it. Before it overloads, though, McAllen reveals that years prior, he was part of a mutiny on an IMC ship and that it was Vice Admiral of the IMC, Marcus Graves, that told him to do so. Mm -hmm. McAllen then convinced Graves to join the militia. The final battle of the game takes place on the Hamid Robotics facility. With Graves fighting for the militia now, the IMC's AI spyglass is now in command. Eventually, the militia destroys the robotics facilities, weakening the IMC further since the Spectres are a huge source of their militaristic manpower. The IMC are now on the defensive. They've been cut off from reinforcements, and it's going to take an estimated two years for those reinforcements to arrive. As I said, the, the campaign itself really is what you get. Is you get exposition before each match mm -hmm. and then go into it. it. It's kind of forgettable at times, but I get it. Like, I didn't buy this game for the the story of the multiplayer campaign, essentially. But that story will continue on. We will see the Hammond Robotics Facility later. We even see mm -hmm. it in Apex. There's actually yep. an entire map based on it. Um, and, and plenty of other just really cool little tidbits that start to really build that lore and build that, mm -hmm. that world. You know, I take this as some of, like, just your first games that you play with it. Like, you know, any of your games that start out, even Mass Effect 1 kind of started building the lore up, mm -hmm. takes it into 2 and even further on to... Build that story, make these characters memorable in your mind, and Titanfall 2, I think, really takes that, like, okay, okay, I see that you guys wanted a single-player campaign or a story that you understood, <laughs> so we got something for yeah. you. Yeah. But let's touch on the DLCs that will come out for Titanfall. So Titanfall would have three DLC map packs that would be released after the launch of the game. To celebrate the first anniversary of the game, Respawn would release the season pass for free. And most fans were happy about this, but obviously some who had purchased it for that 25 buckaroonies were a little peeved off about it. They were kind of bit. like, hey, you gave it for free. Why? It's like, well, I mean. I guess it's the same thing of being like, well, you lowered the price of this game a year after it released. Yes. I paid full price. What did you do with it's, that? It's that type of deal of like, instead of waiting for the Steam sale, mm -hmm. I bought it on day one when I could wait a year and just get it for pennies. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> the first up we had was Expedition. This DLC was actually released sooner than it was intended to, but Respawn had to satisfy players that blasted their way through the game and made their way to level 50 a lot quicker than was expected. <laughs> it features the map Runoff, Swampland, and War Games. It would also feature the new ability to wall run on trees, released April 12th, 2014. I just love that. Like, people are, like, automatically at 50. They're like, what now? They're just like, oh, crap. Don't do that. Slow down. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> the next one we had is Frontier's Edge, and it would include three new maps, which were Dig Site, Haven, and Export. It was released July 31st, 2014. And finally, we had IMC Rising. The third and final DLC would release September 9th, 2014, containing maps Sandtrap, Backwater, and Zone 18. And we'll move on to as far as cut material. This is what has been publicized, mm -hmm. I'm assuming, from that sweet sketchbook they had in, the, in their, their roach house. I'm assuming <laughs> most of the roaches ate some of it, so we can't get yeah, some of it. Yeah, it's, it's unconfirmed. 
Because originally we only had three pilot abilities mm-hmm. in Titanfall. Uh, I believe they call it the OG. OG. Uh, uh, I think that's actually on the box art now. <laughs> it's just, big, just a big OG, OG in the background. They had an unpaid intern just write OG. Like on every pull, single one of them. <laughs> pull out the slips. It's, it's pretty great. Uh, we eventually get later abilities into Titanfall 2. But as far as what is publicized, the game was originally going to be called Titan Wars. Mm-hmm. And finally, players were supposed to be able to jump like three stories high, like these jump packs. Yeah. Um, but then they kept it to where you can kind of get a boost, but it was more so you could jump and, and wall climb. Yeah, because they said it just bro- it broke the balance of the game. Because yeah. like you can get to someone so quickly mm-hmm. and they're like, what's the point of being on the third story? Like you don't see them coming. No, especially like when you're going against a Titan and you just spring up three stories. Like they can't really track that and then yeah, you get mounted. How, how and... quickly you'll jump. Yeah. But remember, as I said, we did have those original concepts. Like there was going to be fighting dragons mm-hmm. with, with rocket launchers. And then uh, and then Deus Ex came out with their concept and scrapped their concept of manpower essentially. So there were a lot more concepts being thrown around. But yeah, the overall Titan Wars... I feel like it just wouldn't have the same feel if it was called that. No, that that sounds like Chrome Hounds to me, which is a mech game, and because like that's just like Chrome Hounds, Titan Wars, like like well, that kind of two syllable yeah. type thing. Well, especially I get I just hear Wars. And I think Star Wars, so I think it, it just. Yeah. I assume just a generic game. Like I always hear that yes. whenever I hear like Wars or like a word like that put in. I'm just <laughs> yeah. like. That's generic. Titanfall. It sounds more interesting in the cover for Titanfall, where you have the Titan, or you have like uh, the pilot, st- like almost like skulking on the yeah. end of the Titan's gun. God, such a good cover. It was so well done. And oh. I mean, I guess we'll just take a, a quick second. We'll talk about this when we wrap. But the art style and just the direction that was taken, oh. and again, the fluid movement when you enter and exit your Titan was so cool, and there's multiple ways to do it. Oh, yes, it's so cool. You know, so so we're gonna we're bringing on the multiplayer now, and we're gonna bring into kind of what the Titans were, what their kind of differences were, but each one of them, you could kind of be behind them and enter and slide through their legs, and they'd scoop mm-hmm. you up and shove you in their belly. They grab you, like you can yeah. jump, and they grab you and just shove you into their face. The first time I ever played that and that happened, I almost like, I was like, oh, what? Because I thought he was like going to kill me. Oh, yeah. I was like, what are you doing? It, it was, was so cool. It was so well done. And it's such a neat way to do it. Another game that has kind of a, a neat, interesting concept like that is Warframe, if you've ever played it. Uh, so in Warframe, as you finish a mission, you actually exit by like docking in your ship. But your ship is like this. So it's, it's vertical. Mm-hmm. And you actually just press your like arms into this like mold of yourself. And it just like rules the cage. And you like go into your ship. Oh, that's so cool. So stuff like that's just neat, and I really appreciate when people pay attention to details. It's not just, like, a hatch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, like, or you, like, you click a button, and all of a sudden, it's, like, a half a second frame of you entering it somehow. Mm -hmm. And I love when you get in the Titan, there's, like, what, five or six screens that all light up. Oh, your whole HUD starts to light up as you activate it. And, like, the six screens just have, like, a half a second delay when they all do it. There's so many little details in this game that... Just make it perfect. Like, you, no one would think of, but you appreciate it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so let's dive more into the multiplayer. So the game cannot be played unless a player either has Xbox Live Gold or an EA Origin account for PC, which would leave a bad taste in fans' mouths. After all, first-person titles before this, you know, were really, for the most part, could be played offline for the campaign alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm a huge campaign guy. That's why I play a lot of my first-person shooters. The game has its own dedicated servers, though, through Xbox Live Cloud technology, which Respawn credits that for making the game possible whatsoever, 
even down to implementing those AIs in the matches. Mm -hmm. The multiplayer isn't only dedicated to the story mode. It also supports other game types as well. Modes like Deathmatch, uh, Marked for Death, which is kind of like COD's VIP, uh, Pilot Skirmish, which is a Titanless mode, and it's actually 8 versus 8. So it's, again, it's... it's Deathmatch without Titans. Yeah. And then last Titan standing, uh, One Life, uh, Frontier's Defense, which is more of a wave defense, and Hardpoint Domination, which is more of a territory-style game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, along with the amazing implementations and quality of life that they've brought to the pilots and Titans, I'm going to touch on some of the weaponry um, that we get. And what I absolutely love within the Titanfall universe is as Titanfall, Titanfall 2, and Apex came out, a lot of the weapons carried over but became updated versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. Very, a lot of other games do it. Halo has done it. Um, but it's it's really cool to see. But we'll start with the Titans. So obviously the Titans have something more than a little pea shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, we have everything from a 40-millimeter cannon, quad rockets, plasma railgun, arc cannon, even the triple threat, which is this thoop, thoop, thoop grenade launcher. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I sucked with that thing. <laughs> but yeah, it's just, just a, a wide variety of what would typically be like helicopter mounted, some mm-hmm. like side tank mounted things they can have as like one of their arms or a mounted cannon yep. that would help yep. along with those things. As far as tactical abilities, you had things like a vortex shield that you like throw your hand out and actually absorb yeah. all of the incoming projectiles. And and they shoot back, mm-hmm. which was, this was like, this was as far as unrealistic as this game got for a game set a couple hundred years from now. Like, that was it. The rest of this seemed, like, realistic. Hey, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. In terms of my limited knowledge of how we're <laughs> advancing in, in uh, uh, this floaty bullet technology. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, also, <laughs> electric smoke, which... Uh, would disable or hurt pilots trying to mount you. So other mm-hmm. pilots, enemy pilots, could jump on you and steal your power core, which would yep. drain your battery way down, drain your health. The electric smoke would shock them over time mm-hmm. and could even kill them before they could get that out. I love the detail of when there was a pilot on you. You hear, doom, doom, doom. like you could hear them walking hear him on you. On it. Yes! Uh, it was perfect. Last we had was the particle wall, which is a one-way shield, which would allow you to fire through it but block from the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, so really well done. And then your ordinances, which was something like the, like the shoulder-mounted things or yeah. some side abilities, rocket salvo, slaved warheads, cluster missiles, and multi-targeting missile systems. And then you had uh, tier kits, which we have for both pilots and titans, which would just be some perks. Mm-hmm. So perks yeah. that you could add on to it. Now, again, I- I'm going to say that Titanfall is not my favorite game. It's my favorite weapons in a game mm-hmm. it's it's so clean it's so well done and like i said i'm a huge apex player in today's age i am marginal <laughs> at best <laughs> i really enjoy the game though so it's really cool to see you know you have something like the r101c carbine which was kind of this very standard rifle mm-hmm. that actually makes its way back to a 201 i believe in titanfall 2 and a 301 in Apex. Ooh. Um, we have, you know, some SMGs, the EVA 8 shotgun, which has made its way all the way through, uh, sniper rifles, as well as sidearms, um, like the Hammond P2011, which becomes the uh, P2020, my sidearm of choice. <laughs> and then we also have anti-Titan weapons. So obviously, yes. if you're going against the big boys, you got to have some big artillery. Well, that was one thing they added to balance it out, because yes. essentially it was, they were scared that like, oh, when a Titan comes on the field, the game's over. But they're like, no, we're going to give you w- weapons 
made just to fight the Titans. That was one thing they struggled with, with that balance was like, mm-hmm. do we just have them be able to, you know, jump on and pull the battery? Do they have to like, you know, rifle them a bunch? And then hopefully mm-hmm. like with grenades and rifles, they take them out. So these were added. You know, we had things like the Sidewinder AT-SMR, which is a rapid fire anti-Titan rocket launcher. The Archer Heavy, which was a guided one. So the first one was like these like mini rockets that would mm-hmm. go out. This is like a big boy that would charge up for it. The MGL, which is a magnetic grenade launcher. And then the charge rifle, which would like you'd charge up this electronic arc bolt and it would fire mm-hmm. out. Yeah. That's usually the one that I end up using for a lot of it. It's the easiest one to use and in my opinion. it's my sniper of choice in <laughs> Apex. <laughs> Uh, and then ordinances. Um, so these are, again, your side or your like grenades or things mm-hmm. you could do. You had a data knife, which was kind of cool because you could jump in and hack robots with it. Oh yeah, I, I loved that because it was like literally like you press the button on the knife. It was like a sh- it, it's just a really sharp USB drive. It was because then you could also like <laughs> stab it in something like you like stab it in like turn it and it's like mm-hmm. oh I'm a good guy now. <laughs> What's going on? It's me Marvin. Um, art uh, grenades. Marvin. Art grenades, which was um, like an EMP. Yeah. Uh, satchel charges, frag grenades, and an arc mine, which was the grenade, just in a mine form. And then again, your three abilities that will eventually expand into Titanfall 2 are Cloak, so temporary invisibility, Stim, which allows for a speed and health boost, yeah. and then Active Radar Pulse, which was this knife. Actually, this was different than this one, but this was like a pulse, kind of like the um, UAV in Call of Duty, yeah. where you could like see through walls. Well, this one you could see through walls and stuff like that, but that's like kind of like knife, like pulses. Mm-hmm. I guess Daredevil Vision is more like it. Yeah. yeah, kind of like a radar, mm-hmm. essentially. And then again, you had your Tier 1 and your Tier 2 kits were your kind of passive abilities mm-hmm. that were added in, whether it's more health, ability to take a Titan down faster, uh, plenty more with that. So like I said, the innovation that was added in this was just really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And being able to customize your loadouts, level up your weaponry, uh, it, it just made the game you know, really have that longevity that, again... I don't think Titanfall got the fair shake because of that loss of campaign and kind of mm-hmm. it came out of the time that you had the Titans of Industry against them. Yes. Titans against Titanfall. <laughs> <laughs> and it came out of, of poor timing. So, yeah. But Titanfall 2, I think, really implemented a lot more of it mm-hmm. and I think did it really well. Yeah. And speaking just more of like some of their innovations, like Respawn also wanted players to stay online when they were playing games even if they had a few off matches. Mm-hmm. This is why they implemented opposing teams changing out more often than not. If after a few matches, one team is very obviously dominating the other team, they put them in a different lobby. Because mm-hmm. I've, you, you get in that thing where you, you find yourself with a good team when you're playing a game, but you keep playing against this different team that just destroys you. Yes. And you're like, but I like my team. So they did finally you know, take it upon themselves to be like, okay, if this team's messing you up, Obviously, we need to balance this out a little more. Go find your own thing. Now, it didn't take long for PC users to see its fair share of cheaters in the game. It only took Respawn about two weeks to implement the anti-cheat system, Fair Fight, into the game, banning anyone who is modifying the games to win. Mm -hmm. I like all your typical PC releases. Mm -hmm. People find loopholes. You then close them. Yep. With the game's second DLC, Frontier's Edge, it would also include the game's currency with the black market but it could not be earned with real money. Respawn did not want microtransactions in the game whatsoever. To earn the currency, players had to participate and win in matches. Players could also sell unwanted burn cards uh, to you know to earn more uh, currency. Mm-hmm. If a player chooses to stay at the highest level of the game, which is 50, then a percentage of the experience that they win from a match would be converted into that currency. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, you could prestige, right? Yeah, it's kind of the same concept. Call of Duty, you could kind of be like, hey, look at me, I've prestiged. 
far too many times for someone normal playing these games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we saw people did it pretty quickly. Yes. Yeah. So they allowed that in there. And like you said, if they wanted to stay there, they could earn revenue. Or you could show off and be like, I've already been there, baby. I'm level 150. Yeah, yeah. In October 2014, Respawn would add ranked and competitive playlists to the game, Death Pro and Deadly Ground. The game didn't exactly ship with esports settings and game modes in mind, but Respawn was still excited to see Titanfall potentially become an esport game. This never really happened since fans weren't really fans of the tools for private matches that they were given in the game and lack of interest in the ranked playlist. So I think it was just... It's obvious. They didn't have esports in mind, so they didn't mm-hmm. design it around that. But they're like, we'll just let the community do it. And the community's like, no. And, and you have to – and it sucks for them because they were right behind the esports bubble. Yes. You had the very early on one when MLG was created. You mm-hmm. had the first – that first kind of like figuring out what was going on. But come like 2015 and 2016 is really where it exploded, mm-hmm. especially with Twitch pushing a lot of it. YouTube gaming coming down the road with it. It, it was all starting to come out. Mm-hmm. They just didn't hit it. Yeah. And and to add one more thing to multiplayer, I guess it'd be multiplayer. We're going to put it here. That's the best way I can say with it. <laughs> um, but some Easter eggs and just some ideas that I've found uh, within Titanfall. So these guys, uh, Zampella and West, they're actually known for putting Easter eggs in their games. Call of Duty's had a decent number of them that they worked on. Oh, yeah. And they brought that idea over. And one that was kind of a little cheeky fun one was instead of Dr. Pepper, they had some Dr. Paprika cans around. I wonder how those taste. Quite delicious, I might say. <laughs> Just pour it on your chicken. Ooh, we got a tasty dish right there. <laughs> uh, but one that's notable and that has continued its way through and found its way into fans' hearts is the little stuffed Loch Ness monster. Hmm. It's it's this little Nessie, little, little squishy Nessie that's in there, and it's made its way into Titanfall Two and as well as Apex. Interesting. And, and it's kind of become this offhanded mascot of it, which is kind of cool, and it's kind of given that lightheartedness. Yeah. To the series, I guess you would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yes. Yeah, so, so you can find Nessie or the Loch Ness Monster Easter egg on the maps, Demeter and Relic. And, you know, fans finding this because really all in all, I think people expected a lot more Easter eggs coming from these two. Yeah. Um, but we got just a couple offhand things. Uh, you know, as, as I brought up before, the first kind of armor for the pilot was based off of Boba Fett. Yeah. So that was yeah. kind of Easter egg-ish. Well, you got to think as well as it's their first new IP. Mm-hmm. They have to prove themselves as a new studio. So they probably put a lot of maybe future uh, Easter eggs on the back burner for now or once they wanted. Yeah. And we may discuss that, you know, further down the road. But obviously the little stuff Loch Ness, um, which one of you should buy me if that's a real thing. I'll give you my address. Just, just send it to me. <laughs> Go uh, on Etsy. It'll probably be on there. No, I want an official one. Are there official ones? I don't know, but I want an official <laughs> one now. Go to Respawn, tell them to go back in time, make it, give it to me. Uh, no, so it's, it's cool that this has made its way along, and you know we're seeing it, like I said, in their future games, and it's become this little fan thing that people know and love, and I'm, I'm glad it has continued. It's, it's just, a, it's just a, a really silly thing in a game, and we see it in plenty of games. Oh, yeah. Where it's like it almost gets like a mascot-esque like, statute to it. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of cool. So I'm definitely glad that they had that in there. Mm-hmm. As far as music goes, the Titanfall original soundtrack was composed by Stephen Barton, who joined the project in early 2013. Originally a film composer, Barton was in the middle of a gap year deciding to go to music school when he was approached by Harry Gregson Williams to assist with work on the Metal Gear Solid franchise. 
Gregson Williams was one of the first Hollywood composers to merge that, you know, that video game, film, composer kind of amalgamation. Mm -hmm. And they used it to teach Barton, you know, all he knew to get those skill sets rolling in the industry. Mm -hmm. A priority of Barton's for the soundtrack was to think of the music as commentary for the game rather than competing with the sound design and what you were seeing on screen. The game uses a mixture of electronic and acoustic instruments to create what Barton calls a, quote, melting pot for the galaxy. Since there was no rules for living on the edge of the galaxy, all the music can be taken out of context. An example would be the use of a Japanese tiger drum to complement these textures out of its typical kind of cultural use. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it was just Wild West, baby. Literally the Wild West. It's like, I I can do whatever I want here. And it worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A palette of sounds were chosen rather than a specific genre of music for the game. Coming from the notion that it would be easier to recognize Titanfall as a franchise if it had a specific sound. Because, again, we need to make everything stand out down to what kind of music we're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Barton specifically pulled certain instruments and elements out of different genres, like the untraditional baritone electric guitar, to give fans a true sense of originality in the game. Barton wanted the music to soar and glide smoothly like the Titans, without a sense of comfort and safety since the game is so fast-paced. The Titanfall team did understand that some people don't like to listen to the music during multiplayer, so the music can be turned down in the multiplayer campaign if it's too terribly distracting. The sound and music of Titanfall was designed specifically with the Turtle Beach headset in mind. As the official headset of the Xbox One, PS4, and Nintendo, a special version of the headset were created in partnership with the Titanfall audio and music team at EA to create the greatest Titanfall experience possible. Mm. Engineers were brought in to make the headsets not only the best sound in gaming, but one of the best sounding headsets in the entire audio industry. And I will say... You know, I know everyone has their opinion with Turtle Beach. Mm-hmm. I, I've owned different pairs of them, and they're they're pretty good. I mean, not they're not <laughs> they're not audiophile type headsets. <laughs> they're good though. So it's it's really cool that you know they partnered with the gaming industry to push audio for a gaming experience. Yeah, so, and and specifically, like as it was said, they were working with. Okay, we're designing sounds. How did it sound in this Turtle Beach headset? Mm-hmm. So the Titanfall original soundtrack released on April 8th, 2014, digitally through iTunes, Amazon, and later onto Spotify. Electronic Arts Music produced the soundtrack and released it through the Network Records record label. The music was mainly recorded at Abbey Road Studios, with some ethnic percussion being recorded in Los Angeles. The soundtrack contains 18 tracks for a total of 60 minutes and 37 seconds. I have no real opinion about the soundtrack. It, it works. It works. It works. It's it's kind of a blend. It's it's honestly, I put it on the other day just to kind of go through it. Mm-hmm. It's a really great background one. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And I think for they've sure. done well with it. But again, sometimes you want your soundtrack to stand out. In a game like this, you want it just to work with it. Well, I think people sometimes don't realize that the you know this music is supposed to correspond with what's happening in a game. So sometimes people forget that listening to it without the context of the game being played, it's a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. Let's wrap up with some release versions. So as we said, your standard came out on the Xbox One and PC, later on that 360. The Deluxe Edition was available for EA's Origin. This edition of the game included all three of the DLC map packs and the Collector's Edition. This came with an 18-inch Titan statue with battery-powered LED lighting, an art book, 
and a full-size schematic poster of the Atlas Titan. I miss this type of stuff being released. Oh, we need more of it. We need more of it. I need to go back in time and grab it. (laughs) Many would believe that Microsoft would be releasing an exclusive Titanfall-themed Xbox One due to an insider leaking this information. To find out, the Titanfall-themed Xboxes were actually created for Respawn employees. Microsoft would, however, release limited edition Titanfall Xbox One controllers. So kind of the best of both worlds. (laughs) Yeah. Like, ah, controller. There you go. It works. Well, let's talk about the general reception and reaction of this game. You know, how did the world react to Titanfall? So Respawn was winning dozens of awards left and right, showcasing the game at shows like E3 and GamesCon, winning over 60 at E3 alone, including Best in Show, Best Original Game, Best Console Game, Best PC Game, and just a million other ones, because apparently they won just essentially everything other than Best PS Game. Best Campaign. (laughs) (laughs) Best uh, Offline Multiplayer Campaign. Yep. When Respawn first showcased the game in 2013 Tokyo Game Show, they were rather nervous, with Japan being rather critical of mechs in general, especially in video games. Most of the gamers at the event actually loved what they saw, and as soon as the show opened at 10 a.m., there would be a two-hour wait to play the game. One Japanese journalist told community manager Abby Heppy that Western mechs were usually, quote, shitty. He wanted to know why Respawn's mechs were so good. They later won the Future Award at the event. Yeah, and the Future Award is kind of like what's that kind of best in show that's coming mm-hmm. up. And and it really was. I mean, if you guys are familiar with your mechs, like I said, a lot of Western mech games are chunky and mm-hmm. boring and slow and sluggish when compared to like anything that was coming out of Japan at the time. Yes. So to get this that has such fluid mo- movement, very much like Gundam, very much like mm-hmm. like that kind of feel to it, it really shaped up and and really honestly in my opinion set the bar for years to come with the idea of 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 mechs or mech-like things in mm-hmm. mind. Yep. Respawn really didn't expect the kind of positive feedback that they would receive while showcasing the game at multiple events. As yeah. I said, they won so many events, even, you know, a Japanese journalist was like, how did you guys do this right? Yeah. Like, you, no Western games do this right. Microsoft was taking a risk on Titanfall and wanted it to be the first blockbuster hit for the console to help it catch up with PS4 sales, which, you know, it seemed to help upon release. Mm-hmm. Many would cite Titanfall when it came to the spike in Xbox One sales around the time of its release. Now, Titanfall would land a 86 out of 100 on Metacritic, while also winning awards like the National Academy of Video Games Trade Reviewers Original Action Award. Mm-hmm. Titanfall released at a time where not only the FPS was dominating the market, but the surface level of the games were driven by the story with games like Halo 3 and Modern Warfare 2 setting a new standard. Even after winning the love of fans from the release of Titanfall, many still yearned for an actual single-player campaign. Respawn founder Vince Zimpala would state that doing that in any future Titanfall games would simply be a step backwards. After all, they reinvented the FPS genre with Titanfall. Though Titanfall 2 does feature a single-player campaign, Zimpala still doesn't think the first game would have been as successful if it had a campaign. However, Respawn's COO would state in an interview with Game Informer around the same time that the company wasn't ruling out that single-player idea. Yeah, so I think Zimpala really was sticking to his guns. He's like, no, 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 no. And I think everyone else was like... Come on, like, yeah, like this kind of suffered a little bit. Yeah, and he's trying to be like, no, if we did that, it would have been even worse. C- trying to be like, I created the perfect game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I will say, I 
I because I didn't I knew next to nothing about this. So when I bought it, I was like, oh, there isn't a mm-hmm. single player campaign. Luckily, the multiplayer just made up for it entirely. And, and you know, this this follows the lines of games that. I think would have done a little better if you had an element like that, mm-hmm. like Brink or Shadowrun for the Xbox 360, which featured only multiplayer. I think Shadowrun did have an offline, but only multiplayer with no mm-hmm. story driven. So you don't have like a um, love note to attach to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't have something that can bring you back, um, you, you know, as far as memorizing the game and like what it was, but you just remember that multiplayer experience you might have had. Mm-hmm. In October 2013, during a keynote speech, Sony executive Adam Boyes would state, quote, Right now, exclusives are just a way for console makers to brag louder. Nobody gains from exclusivity in perpetuity. PlayStation fans also wanted their fill of Titanfall 2. In an interview with Eurogamer, lead artist Joe Emisel expressed the possibility of Titanfall coming to PlayStation, but they were with Microsoft and PC for now. Later on, director of programming for the Microsoft Gaming, Major Nelson, would go on Reddit, confirming Titanfall isn't coming to PlayStation. EA has stated multiple times, though, that they aren't, you know, favorable to one side or the other. They're, yeah, because they were just like, this was just a deal we made for this single title. We're not married to Microsoft. Again, going back, it wasn't Respawn who made this deal. It was EA and Microsoft who made this deal. And EA made this deal because... Sony wasn't willing to work mm-hmm. with Respawn either about this. Yeah. So there's all these different factors. And I love the quote where, you know, Adam Boys is just like, oh, we get nothing out of exclusives. You guys are the king of exclusives. What are you talking about? Like, Microsoft barely has Halo as an exclusive right now. And you guys have, like, everything. Like, come on. Well, and especially when you when you just, like, you're a Vita game. Like, you're not worthy of mainlining. You're, you're going to yeah. be a mobile game. I think they just saw the outroar and then kind of got a little upset about it later. Yep. <laughs> In 2013, EA lost an estimated $121 million. And many analysts assumed that EA would stay in the red for 2014. But by Q2, EA would actually come up around $775 million. This led analysts to believe that Titanfall and other titles under EA helped with this drive of revenue. By all means, Respawn knew their IP wouldn't sell as much as Call of Duty title, but they still had hope that it would do relatively well, promoting it as the next blockbuster project. EA would reveal that the game had sold about 925,000 copies at the end of March. Regardless of this, EA and Microsoft would keep their mouths shut from there on out in terms of sales. VG charts would show that the game had sold 3.1 million copies, but these are copies that were sold to retail stores, with community manager Abby Heppy stating in an interview with EXL Podcast that the game sold more than 3 million copies. By the time that Q4 wrapped up in 2014, EA's revenue would actually be down once more by almost $10 million. And by October 2015, Respawn would announce that they've reached the 10 million mark with Titanfall and confirm that they are working on a new unnamed sequel to the game. Some were rather confused by this. It was only announced that Titanfall reached the 10 million mark, but it wasn't specified exactly what 10 million was. And most would assume that it was just players. But since October 2014, the game would only hit 7 million unique players, but not 7 million copies sold. So, yeah, they, they were just like, 10 million! And everyone's like, 10 million what? It's a number. 10 million! <laughs> yeah. Because like, I, yeah, I just remember, I went, like, I went to the actual tweet, and everyone's just like, 10 million what? Like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what? I made 10 million brownies. <laughs> <laughs> Overall, Titanfall is a game that risked the idea of throwing out the traditional campaign experience and merging it with the multiplayer game mode. 
It didn't take long for fans to fall in love with the game and show that the creators of Call of Duty weren't incapable of creating a masterpiece beyond the series and seeing its fair share of imitators, like Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. They created a game with layers upon layers of depth and what seemed like a perfect balance of, you know, not only pilots fighting other pilots, but pilots fighting against Titans. Nonetheless, the game did see its fair share of shortcomings, mainly how well it financially performed. Many felt that the lack of a true campaign experience and Xbox exclusivity, it hurt the game overall. Sure, Titanfall went against the grain, but for better or for worse, it showed. The studio would push through with a sequel and even a spin-off Battle Royale game set in the Titanfall universe. Jesse wrote that. It is not a spin-off. It is a fantastic title that <laughs> dominates what is going on. <laughs> I'm not reading that sentence again, Jesse. <laughs> Apex. It was Apex. It was a great game set within the universe. It is I'm still a great game set within the universe. I'm sorry I called it a spin-off. I am sorry. Because uh, technically it was Titanfall 3. Starting with just two men who, for better or worse, left on bad terms, built stuff up with the cockroaches around them, <laughs> formed a team, and were able to create what Respawn is today. Respawn was able to honestly create something that fans still hold close. And to this day, prepare for Titanfall. Yes. That was it. That was Titanfall. Titanfall. Like I said, such a great precursor to Titanfall 2, which is kind of the like staple in the series that fans still talk about. Mm-hmm. Once again... Not a Titanfall 2 episode, but the servers are still up for two. There's still a player base that plays. Absolutely. And it's still it still holds the test of time. Yes, absolutely. And, and this is where we're going to dive into now is is kind of why we chose this game and, and how we feel about this mm-hmm. game. Alex, as always, start us off. Again, I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it again. Movement, movement, movement. Mm-hmm. It is creamy, buttery, tasty, <laughs> slippery <laughs> movement. That, that made the game <laughs> so much more than a lot of other stuff I've played. Yes. Even, you know, I'll jump into a modern either new shooter or, you know, another Call of Duty, and they've got stuff right. They've got mm-hmm. some of the movement right. It feels right for that game, but it doesn't come close to even, like, scratching that new fresh coat of paint you have on your Titan. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's, it, I'm just surprised that no one else has figured this out. Yeah, I... Again, it was it was night and day what they did like with this, and and they kind of had their back against the wall. They had to do something to prove, mm-hmm. and this is what it was. And I remember when I first played this, I had saw some of the navigation, but it is it's it's really what they said: a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. Because mm-hmm. they give you kind of a tutorial level really quick before you you play, and it's just so good. It's yes. it's it's so natural, and even so, this is the only game I've ever felt. Where when I play it, it's almost like a bat, like a real battlefield simulation. It's so crazy. Yes. It's so chaotic with all those AIs. You feel the pressure every time you turn a corner, and it surprised me when I was looking into this. And even when we had talked about it with some people when we were playing Titanfall Two, like not a lot of people played the first one. No, it, it was even though it had that marketing, mm-hmm. it was a weird time to do it. Because um, I believe around that time you had major titles coming out mm-hmm. that just swamped it, and it came out March, April, and I believe it came out right when you had AAA heavy hitters. So it got swamped in that week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you got to think like Call of Duty's releasing like every 
two minutes or something. I don't know. They release games all the time. Uh, Halo 4 had just released yes. uh, a and couple that was, months that before that. And that was actually, that. going back, Halo 4 was kind of like the quote-unquote Titanfall killer in terms of sales around that same time mm-hmm. because you had Halo, you had Call of Duty, you had one other major title that released. Battlefield, like, I think, it might have been have Battlefield. Released. I think they released Battlefield and Titanfall same day. <sighs> so, it's so, so crazy. It just came down to timing for a lot of things. And again, they may not have understood it or cared about it, but people do still play. Like Jesse said, I'm not one of them, but some people still do play a lot of these games for the campaign. Mm-hmm. Even just to have that sticker mark of like, I've played the campaign, mm-hmm. now I'll play multiplayer. Yeah, and this is one of the only times that I think it ever would have like still sucked me in. Because like, when I bought it, I didn't know that. Like, I saw a few trailers and that was it. Because uh, I was definitely like, I'll keep myself limited to knowledge mm-hmm. to be very fresh on like the game when it comes to me. And I was like, there's no single player campaign and I was kind of turned off I was like I'll play this I'll I'll see what's up about it and it's actually super fun like mm-hmm. the, the game is so fun and and you can even see its influence because like Call of Duty they, there's no dancing around it kind of ripped it off like shortly afterwards they saw it and they're like okay we're just going to do all those mechanics I mean too. a lot of the future shooters did mm-hmm. they, they took you know some of the elements and you know even Halo's using grappling hook and infinite coming up mm-hmm. uh, and it looks to be the same style that they have within Titanfall 2 and mm-hmm. Apex. You know, that same kind of, like, whip around, like, use it to kind of get up to places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the influences, as they continue on, you know, go and go and go and go. And I think Titanfall was this first stepping stone to, again, getting to Titanfall 2. Yes. Seeing everything they did right, implementing that into the second game, but giving you a campaign that you actually care about, that actually, like, pulls on the heartstrings at times, that mm-hmm. makes you feel that hectic warness. And you're right. When a Titan's stomping next to you and you're, like, running to this building, it does shake your screen a bit. Oh, yeah. You feel the vibrations. Mm-hmm. Like, when one walks near you, just... You can feel it as well. And, like, I love... Like, you get a connection with your Titan, say, if you put it on autopilot and you jump out of it, and it starts pointing the gun mm-hmm. everywhere. Even in the first game, you get, like, kind of this connection with yeah. it. Because you're, like... You feel like there's sentience coming from this. And that's that's what 2 brings to it with the campaign, mm-hmm. is you actually getting to get that connection with a Titan that talks to you and is like, hey, pilot, what's going on? You know, <laughs> you, you, you get that feel when bad stuff happens to your Titan or mm-hmm. things start to, mm-hmm. to do it because this Titan is looking out for you. Yeah, and that's and that's what they're programmed to do, but you, you feel in that personal connection. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so good, and again, just with the gameplay, with them kind of going against the norm and being like, no campaign. They also really didn't have the resources to do campaign and multiplayer. Mm-hmm. It kind of would have been a half-assed yes, effort. I, I agree. If it, it would have just been like, here's a map you go on. Here's an okay multiplayer. So I'm glad yeah, they dedicated yeah. it to that. And the gunplay, the, 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 the quality that they have between the different guns, the different Titan weaponry, the, mm-hmm. the abilities. It allows you to play the game how you want. Do you want to be a, you want to, do you want to be like a climber and a high flyer sniper? Do you want to mm-hmm. be someone who just gets in down and dirty? Do you want to just be a Titan killer? Like yeah. you just want to kind of focus on that. Yeah, and, and I love that you can a single person with a Titan weapon can take out a Titan mm-hmm. at full health. You just need to know how to navigate the map, and like that's why it's like it's so balanced. Yes, and it does well because you take about like probably like a tenth their health or something with a blast, mm-hmm. something like that. So it's not something that like it's like half health dead. You have to shoot it a couple times, mm-hmm. and the Titan can one-shot you. So you got to, like I said, navigate it, poke a window, yeah. jump on a roof. It's not a bullet sponge, but it's not like a two-shot kill either. Mm-hmm. So I think really this game did so much for multiplayer, and a lot of people don't really know it. 
Um, yeah, I totally agree with that. And, and this game is terrific. If you've played Titanfall 1 and you haven't played the second, I'd say check it out. It's it's such a good time. And I, I said it was just such a, a breath of fresh air when I first played it. And it was so amazing. Unfortunately, I didn't get it on my birthday like I had hoped. <laughs> Sad uh, times. I was super excited, I'll be honest. But uh, I think I was like, it was my 20th birthday or something. But yeah, so but yeah, so overall, I think it's influence on, on gaming. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so heavy. It's not even funny. And I think that we're still going to see the influence of it from years to come. Yeah. We see it in Titanfall 2 and then Apex and how much Apex is influencing as well. Like, it's yeah. awesome. No, I love it. All right, so if you had to give a score that uh, generally no one cares about because they want to hear mine, what would you give it? I'd say 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10? 8 out of 10. I, there is uh, – everything about the multiplayer is perfect. I love it. There is that small part of me that did yearn for the single-player mm-hmm. campaign. But, again, I'm not complaining too terribly much about it. Anyway, let's go to mine. If I had to give it a rating, <laughs> I would give it three thump, thump, thumps, uh, grenades. Um <laughs> Add in that I'm pretty much a god at Apex, and so Titanfall, I think, really trained me for that. <laughs> I mean, when I'm running my 301-99 combo, it's really what matters. But in a serious note, add in that cool detection knife that you can see through walls, mm-hmm. which is just such a cool element. Divide in the amount of times I get squished by a Titan. Not many, but it is very frustrating when it happens. But exponentially increase it. When I get that kill, and I see a little dude running around outside, and I'm like, boop Come on in, Titan. Come on out of the sky. And you hear, and it crushes that dude. Oh, perfect. Equals day made. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the score? The yeah, day yeah, yeah. made? The day, day made. made? Okay, okay, day okay. That was, that was Alex's score. <laughs> Let us know if you agree or disagree with us. But that was our coverage diving into Titanfall. Research was done by Evan Barr and Jesse Reiners. Cover art by Jesse Reiners and Jessica Wellickson. And music written and composed by Evan Barr. And those other ones, again, more important than these people. (laughs) More important. Evan is one of them, though. Is our (laughs) patrons. So if you haven't seen, we have pretty much redone our Patreon. We've got some really, really awesome stuff that we've added. We're adding to it now, which I absolutely enjoy. We've got a brand new show called From the Bargain Bin that is Patreon exclusive, as well as posters, shirts, stickers, bonus other content like post shows, uh, private Q&As, Discord, all that's available. And we want to thank those who are with us today. Mm -hmm. We have Charles Zitter, Tactics, Sky the Bear, Angry Canadian, Grant Dillon, Mr. Choff, Cowan Fong Feliciano, DGamer1298, Alex Harper, Delphix, Nick Hyman, Tuna0317, Brandon Christian, Richard Scanlon, McChief, Big Papa Semechki, Grant ODST, Loki2014, Nathan Van de Voort, Climbing Spork, Mr. 1989 or Mr. 1898, if I read it correctly, Evan. That's when, <laughs> that's when Evan was born. That's why he's our composer. Uh, and finally, <laughs> William Krull or Krull. Thank you so much for the support. Um, like I said, check it out if you haven't at patreon.com slash finish the fight. As well, you catch me and Jesse at times over at twitch.tv slash sourman70, where I and sometimes Jesse will be jumping in to play some games. So we'll be playing through the Titanfall, if not Titanfall 2 campaign. So we can just like chat about Titanfall a bit, mm-hmm. see what's going on, because um, I have to double check if the Titanfall servers are up. Either way, check us there. We also be doing games weekly. So we stream about three times a week. Um, check us out there mm-hmm. yeah and if you want to go follow us on social we would appreciate that greatly the links will be in the description of this episode as well as join our discord link is also in the description it is free for any and all we are growing seeing a lot of new faces makes me 
very happy, whether, you know, we have some... By the way, uh, Jesse just patted his belly through that. He just <laughs> did, like, a very happy, like, belly pat when he's like, did I? very happy. Yeah, you went... Makes me very happy. <laughs> oh my gosh! Good, you guys make me very happy. I've been that happy. I'm also very hungry right now. <laughs> and be sure as well to listen to us on your favorite podcast platform and give us a starred rating and review. We would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, that was Titanfall. I know early on a lot of people are asking for this, so ask and you shall receive. With that, I am your host Jesse Reiners, and I am your host Alex Kendall. And thank you for tuning in to finish the fight, a gaming podcast. Yeah.